Hello, and welcome to Heart on the Hill. My name is Micah Hart. Today, I will be discussing the 2022 Secretary of State election in the great state of Michigan with the Republican candidate, Christina Caramo. Without further ado, let's talk to Christina. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Um, I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me on. Yeah, no problem. So first off, I'd love for you just to introduce yourself to our listeners so we can get to know you better and start with this interview. Yes, so my name is Christina Caramo. I'm the Republican candidate for Michigan Secretary of State. I'm running because our election system is a critical component of our liberty, Uh, our voting rights. You know, we hear a lot of people talking about voting rights. What are voting rights? Voting rights are ballot access, ballot security, and preventing illegal ballots from being cast. Those are the three elements that make up our voting rights, and that's why I'm running to protect our voting rights, because it's the only way we, the people, exercise control over our government. But there are other issues in the Secretary of State's office regarding the branch office operations. You know, we have to make sure that people can get in and out in a timely fashion. Also, we pay way too much, excuse me, in our branch offices. When you look at the fact that the Secretary of State brings in about $2.9 billion a year to the state of Michigan, and only 7% of that actually goes to running the Michigan Department of State, it's safe to say the prices that we pay inside those branch offices do not reflect the cost of business, but instead reflect feeding a bloated government. And this must stop. The people of Michigan are not money-making ventures for the state. And so those are some things that I would like to remedy as Secretary of State, among many more things that uh, need to be broke, uh, that are broken, that need to be fixed. But my background is in education. I also have a master's in Christian apologetics. So I was not uh, dreaming of becoming <laughs> Secretary of State. It was something that I saw a need, and I want to remedy it. That's what I do. I fix things. So I to take a hiatus from many things that I'm very passionate about, especially my faith, and I decided to fix this issue here, and I look forward to being Michigan's next Secretary of State. Wonderful. Well, that ties into my first question for you, which has to do with a major part, as you said, of what would be your job as secretary of state, which is dealing with elections and securing elections. And um, you kind of went into this, but are there certain laws that you would say we need to replace on day one, or we need to enact on day one because of what we've seen or what we want to prevent from seeing in the future? Well, you know, what's nice about Michigan is it's it's, it's a gift and a curse in Michigan. Uh, The secretary of state in Michigan has a lot of latitude. So if there's, the law is silent on, the Secretary of State is in a position to create administrative policy to remedy those issues. For example, a lot of chain of custody issues. I was speaking with someone who actually worked uh, in Detroit elections, and they commented that, you know, when they brought ballots to the TCS Center, there was really no accountability for who this person was, even though this person was honest and actually uh, was working for the city. But it was really no checks and balances in the in place to ensure that this person actually was a city employee, actually bringing Detroit residents ballots, which that is an attack on the voting rights of not just the people of Detroit, but also the entire state. But also because we have to have chain of custody for the different uh, aspects of our election process, whether it's the you know vote tallies being transferred or ballots being moved or you know uh, returns being uh, transferred back to the local municipality, all of that needs to be secured. And quite frankly, it's not. Um, and there's, and not just, and when I say it's not secure, it's not fair to say that local municipalities are up to something shady, but just the lack of, uh, of, of, of structure, if you will, to secure these key efforts of our elections 
create a scenario that if someone wanted to do something that could potentially defraud the voter, they could. It's not to say that they necessarily will. Um, one of the things that I would do day one is clean up the registration database. That is the biggest assault on our election system. We saw in the primaries about 1.4 million people requested an absentee ballot. And so with so many people across the state, state voting absentee, there is an opportunity with a bunch of bogus registrations that do exist that if individuals want to exploit those, broke, those uh, fraudulent registrations, they could do so. And we saw that a judge ruled that Benson violated the law when she told clerks to assume signatures are valid rather than not. So you put those things in tandem, you have bogus registrations, her telling clerks to assume signatures are valid rather than not, and drop boxes. Those three things in tandem opens the door for lots of illegal ballots to be injected into the system, and they would not be detected by your local clerk. So cleaning up the voter registration database is something that's totally within the purview and the ability of the Secretary of State, their keeper of the They have the driver's license file. They have all the necessary information to establish identity. So we know who's who. Um, we know what's the real uh, residential address versus the commercial property in the vacant lot. That's information, that's information that the Secretary of State is privy to without requiring approval from other people. So since the Secretary of State has all the tools to make sure that we have these necessary components of our election system secured and available, it's really no reason for it not to be other than you have an individual at all who is trying to intentionally corrupt the election system. Hmm. All right. Yeah. So really going off of that, I just want to now go into this election. Obviously, you have to win this to be able to enact um, what you want to do to protect um, voting rights and just do other things as well in the state of Michigan as Secretary of State. So as we know, Michigan is a swing state and the former president won in 2016, but as it appears, he lost the state in 2020. So what would you say to an independent voter who may have some hesitations about voting for you because you are Trump endorsed or just in general voting for a Trump endorsed candidate in the state of Michigan, which, as I said, Trump lost in 2020? You know, what people need to understand is that being a member of a political party is not being a member of a cult. They have to understand that we the people and when we are elected into office, irrespective of political affiliation, we have an obligation to serve the people. Even the people who didn't like me and didn't vote for me, I still am obligated to serve you all. The Secretary of State's office is not a partisan role. It's just not. It's about serving the people, making sure that our elections are secure and accessible. It's about ensuring that our branch office operations ran per the rule of law. It's to make sure that one thing people don't typically think about is the Secretary of State is responsible for protecting your identity. So if someone is impersonating you, it is the job of the Secretary of State to, ensure, to uh, affirm you are who you, you are actually that individual, not some other, uh, another person. And I have some situations that I've been uh, exposed to uh, from other from citizens regarding identity theft issues that the Secretary of State is not doing her job in opening Michiganders up to having their identity stolen. Those things are not partisan. The question is, is this individual competent and are they actually going to do what they say they're going to do? And the answer to that question is, yes, I am. And that's what we want independent voters to know. We want people to not get caught up in media fanfare because, you know, I interact with a lot of members of the media and many of them are just flatly dishonest and they're actively posing as journalists. But when you cut through the fanfare and all the noise and you talk to the average Michigander on the street, they just want to be served. They don't care about all the hoopla and nonsense. They just want to be served. That, that's it. And the incumbent has consistently proven that she is not about serving the people of the state. She'd rather run around in MSNBC, gallivant in New York, 
instead of serving the people of the state. And we just can't have it anymore. And people have to ask themselves the question, would I rather follow a biased media narrative or do I want to follow the facts on the ground? You know, one of the things that I enjoy so much about being a candidate is question and answer, period. I love to expose myself to everyday people and not just say, what questions do you have for me? I don't do scripted events where, you know, I've planted people there to just make me look good. I don't do that kind of stuff my opponent does. I, on the other hand, want members of the public to approach me and ask me questions and grill me because I'm asking you to trust me with something so critical as overseeing your voting rights. So that's one of the things that's really important for the public to know about me, that I am here to serve the people of this state. I, I really enjoyed my life in education. I, I didn't go to theology school to run for Secretary of State. However, here I am, and I am ready to serve the people of Michigan. Yeah, I, I'd love to jump into that quickly as well with your faith and talk about that a bit, because um, I think it's very interesting to um, see um, the appeal you could have to a Christian base as well. And I saw a recent article about that as well. I'd love for you to talk about your faith and even how it's played a role in your um, how you're running your campaign and what you're doing and even voters you are discussing even faith about even I think sometimes the secretary of state's office you know we don't always tie faith to a lot of government positions but it is important to protect obviously so if you would love to go into that that'd be great as well just chat about that yeah you know for me the way my faith plays into it is just being honest you know as a Christian we have an obligation to serve everybody and to love on everybody, even people who despise us. That's one of the teachings of Christ. It's not this thing where uh, it's like we're clannish and we only care about our people and our community and fellow Christians. No, we're supposed to care about and serve other people. And what's missing from government is truth and honesty and just decent people. You know, I feel in many regards our state and our country is being ran by a criminal cartel. You know, you have a lot of people who are just in this for themselves. The decisions they make are for themselves. They don't care about people, and that's going wrong. And, and you can easily, you know, if, if, especially if you have the media in your pocket, they can present themselves as caring and loving and doing all these things. But when it comes down to the day-to-day decisions they make that impact the lives of the people of the state, they're actually quite harmful, irrespective of what these individuals say. And so for me, it's just about making sure that I keep myself in check because, you know, sometimes as a candidate, everybody loves you. They love you. They want to take you out to dinner. Everybody, if they think you're just the greatest person in the world, that people can get consumed with their own ego. And for me as a believer is to remember that I am nothing more than a follower of Christ. I exist for his glory, and I exist to serve other people, people who like me, people who despise me. I exist to serve people. And when you keep that in perspective and remember that what your purpose is to serve other people, it keeps you humble. It, it keeps you uh, uh, temptations at bay as far as people wanting to, hey, you know, I'll donate to your campaign just if you do this. It prevents scenarios where you indulge into those types of things. So for me, you know, it's, it's important also to note, and I, and I say this a lot, is that I'm not looking to establish a theocracy. And I know that's kind of a funny thing to say because oftentimes – um, we see people being attacked for their faith. I was being interviewed by someone the other day in Lansing, and the question they asked me was just so disingenuous because they try to create this narrative that Christians in politics are trying to set up a type of theocracy, and it's really the kind of anti-Christian bigotry we see permeating our society as materialism and secularism goes on the rise, that they want to create this false narrative 
that Christians in politics are just looking to impose our religious beliefs on um, other people, which if these people knew the first thing about the gospel, God doesn't force himself on anybody. They would know that we as Christians, even when I'm in that space as a Christian apologist, I simply present the gospel, and it's up to you whether or not you want to accept it. Likewise, if you are in government, it would be unconstitutional to want to try to impose religious beliefs on other people. It's just a part of my life, and the secularists would love for me to go and hide as a Christian to exit from the political realm. The secularists would love for Christians to not say that they're Christians and be afraid. I'm never going to be afraid of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have to stand before God at the end of the day. But at the same time, even though that I wear my faith on my sleeve, my faith necessarily dictates that I treat everyone with kindness, love, and respect and don't seek to impose or disenfranchise others who may not believe the way I believe. So I, it's just really about a moral compass. Uh, as far as in, in politics and making sure that all of my decisions are in line with the law, with the Constitution, and making sure all of my decisions are for the benefit of the people of the state, not myself. I have two more questions for you, and then we will be about done. But I really want to go, obviously, we've talked about your faith, and you've had a background in education and other things. So you are would be considered probably the outsider in this race, what would you say to people who may have hesitations about taking a political outsider or someone who maybe hasn't been at this state level as much and voting for them? Because, you know, so I think that there's been a line between voting political outsider and then wanting somebody who has experience. So what would you say to somebody who's hesitant but says, yeah, I, I get some of your talking points, but I am a little concerned about other aspects with that, um, your um, career and other things? Yeah, you know, our system of government is designed for everyday people to walk out of their offices, their fields, their schools, their factories, and come and solve problems. That's the thing. When you're in that position as Secretary of State, you're an administrator, you're an orchestrator. It is your job to identify the competent people, identify the problems that those competent people could go off and address and develop the necessary policy and the procedures to address those policies and make sure that those individuals have the tools that they need to get the job done. This is going to be a lot of hard work, but it's not complicated. And what's happening in our state is the quote-unquote experienced people seem to be the ones who are carrying the state down because they are making decisions, many of them, not all, not all, I don't, I think it's important that many of us who are quote-unquote outsiders could not come and just pretend as though everyone who's been in politics or, you know, the dirty word establishment is somehow evil. That's not true. You know, there are a lot of people who've been in politics for years and just really have a heart to serve and their constituents of what they do, and thus individuals just keep running for office. So I don't want to make it seem as though anyone who may be a quote-unquote establishment politician is necessarily up to no good or, you know, just looking to make money. I, I never want to make that kind of claim. But unfortunately, you have a lot of people who've been in government for years and their decisions are filtered through the lens of what is going to personally benefit me. And what we need in government are more people who are on the other side of the government, who know what it's like to be disenfranchised, who know what it's like to not see government services being conducted the way they should, and those individuals stepping up and say, hey, my life experience, my professional experience makes me more than qualified to get the job done. And this is what people like about our campaign, because what we're missing is integrity. And people feel so frustrated because, you know, come election season, we see the same tired commercials, oftentimes the same tired people who then go off into office 
then when something isn't done right and you go and talk to them, they give you the classic line, my hands are tied, I'm doing all I can, which is just simply not the truth. And, and people want to change. You know, you look at somebody like President Trump. I mean, he did phenomenal things for the um, United States of America. And he was, and even though he was a billionaire, so he's not quite an outsider 100%, but the sense of the thing, the, the, the fact of the matter is when you have people who have skills in other arenas, they don't need this. I don't need to be Secretary of State. I, I much, I, I, my vision for my life was teaching at a Christian university. <laughs> That's what I wanted to do. But here I am. And so it's, it's a blessing to have people with a fresh set of eyes, people who understand what it takes and are there with a heart to serve in those spaces. So for many people, they want to have a person who's maybe on the outside coming in because they have a little more confidence in this person's integrity oftentimes because I'm not doing this for any other reason other than to serve. And then I just have one more question for you. You've really emphasized serving and we've talked about your experience a lot and what you will do for the state. But, you know, I think I think a lot of voters oftentimes just look at somebody running for office as a politician, as somebody who's just running on a platform and has an agenda. But I would love to just hear and give the voters a chance to hear more about you as a person, because it's so important to to realize, I personally feel that there is a person behind the politician. And so I'd love to give you the chance just to talk about your yourself and um, who you are as a person, which you've done so far as well, but I'd love to just give you the final chance as well. You know, I've always been interested in politics. Um, the reason why is because, you know, when I was a little kid and I would go through my daily life and I would see things and I would see how people would respond to issues in the news or issues in society. And I just always want to do something about it. Um, and no, you know, I'm a human being like everybody else. I have the same joys. You know, I love, I love the outdoors. I love the ocean. I love to swim. I love water sports. I love basketball. You know, I'm just an everyday person like most other people who have the, the, the simple pleasures of life uh, that we all enjoy. But at the same time, I guess for me, I've always been kind of intense and wanting to learn. So I'm a highly curious individual. So one of my favorite things to do is to read. I love history uh, because it's just fascinating the things people have done with their lives. And I think the average person doesn't realize how fascinating their life truly is and how remarkable our lives are. And I just always have been interested in the things of, of life that, you know, that make life move, whether that's God, having a relationship with God and understanding, uh, deep, growing deeper into my Christian faith, or having an interest in, interest in politics, uh, understanding of things of our life that make things move, that make an impact our lives. And I just, I don't like to see people suffer. You know, when I worked in education and I would see my students would come and tell me about things in their lives and problems that they have, it just it made me so mad. And it just made me so mad. It's like, I just can't do anything about it. And, I, and that's a, a feeling I don't like. And I feel really blessed to be in a position to help people, you know, realize that we people have power and when things in our society are wrong or we don't like things, we could do something about it. That's just life. And, and I feel as though, you know, oftentimes we see things that go wrong in our individual lives and our families and our communities, and we just feel so powerless. And I just feel so blessed to live in a country 
and be in a position in my life where I could do something about it. And I, I want to encourage other people as well. You know, now it's too late for other people to run for office. It's pretty much set who, not pretty much, it is set who's going to run. But the thing about it is, is that even on the campaign trail, we would encourage other people to run for office. You know, that was a unique part of our campaign because we want to encourage citizens to step up and fight back. You know, it was interesting, though I'm a Republican, I've talked to a lot of grassroots Democrats people who are also very frustrated with things going on and they feel pretty powerless. And we're trying to encourage them as well to speak up and stand up. Because the thing about it, it's not about saving party, it's about saving our country. It's really about saving our country. I was in Dexter and I was speaking with a woman who was a Democrat. And, you know, as we acknowledge that we had differences on many issues, such as abortion and all these other issues. But then at the end of the day, there were a lot of issues that we really agreed on. You know, people just want a government who's going to actually protect their rights. You know, we don't want elected officials stealing money or, you know, taking bribes or, you know, collect, raising our taxes only to pawn it off to their buddies. You know, there's a lot of things that everyday people are tired of, like our roads. It's not, it's so unacceptable the condition of our roads, our infrastructure in this state. You know, I've talked to the everyday Democrats. They're frustrated as well with the population loss. They're frustrated as well with the lack of industry we see in our state. They're frustrated about many of the same things that I'm frustrated about. And I think that this opportunity of running for Secretary of State is a great way for us as as Michiganders to really kind of come together and see that this is an office that is not divisive, it's a very unifying office, and that at the end of the day it shows and exposes that people in this state just want to be served by their elected officials. That's it. And so I am just feel really blessed to be a part of a larger movement of everyday citizens who are just rising up and, and taking our power back. All right. Thank you so much, um, Christina Caramo, for joining me today. It has been a pleasure talking to you. Best of luck in your race. Um, I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. And thank you for having me on. You're welcome. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening today. You are listening to Heart on the Hill. This is Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 WRFH. Have a great day.